Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Open Door Wrestling Podcast, your gateway into the pro wrestling multiverse. I am the subtle doctor. Along for the ride with me, as usual, is my tag team partner, uh, wrestling historian and good opinion haver is DJM. What's going on, DJM? Both of those titles are debatable, Doc. Not to me. I I hold you in hot your your wrestling knowledge uh, oh, of, of years past in, in high esteem. Oh, you're too kind. You're too. I kind. think you have very good instincts as well. Thank you. You're too kind. You're too kind. Uh, but yeah, let's let's jump in because it's been a little while. It's been a while since we've talked about oh, wow. pro wrestling. Yeah, and yep. I think we've got a. Big old show. We we've got a packed show. We got a lot to catch up on. So packed. Yeah, it is. It is. It's late. I'm I'm a little bit past my bedtime. But we're gonna talk some pro wrestling and we're gonna knock this out. So let's get started with our stock report, Doc. Tell the folks listening out there in podcast land about the open door stock reports. Indeed, this is a segment we do every episode. In case this is your first episode, what we like to do is. It's just a temperature check, uh, who we think is trending upward or downward. Um, well, I say who. It could be what. It could be an abstract concept. It could be a company, a title belt. Who knows what would be in store? But we'll give you a, a pick or two in terms of uh, stocks up and down. And then if you're lucky, you'll get to uh, get a long-term play from one or both of us, a, a futures stock. So DJM. Uh, Give us your stock up. Who's trending up in the world of wrestling? My stock up is a guy that I've talked up for a very, very long time and has recently really gotten a lot of positive attention. Uh, Now, officially, all elite, my stock up is the most wanted bandido. Hey, all right. I think he's been a stock up from you on this show before. So he he probably has. I have talked about him many, many times. Uh, He most recently on Rampage, AEW Rampage, got a win over Roosh, who the AEW brain trusts are very high on. Uh, Bandito got the win over him. And then officially getting the All Elite graphic, uh, it tells me that one, as a former Ring of Honor world champion, they seek big things for him. Uh, Chris Jericho clearly has a high opinion of him and all of Bandito's talent and ability will take him to the top. I believe he's super talented and I feel like right now is the best time to buy on him. Would you say he was a top five luchador right now on November 12th, 2022? Hmm. I think I would say that, but um, I don't know if I'd put him number one, but I'd put him in the top five for me. I would say as far as luchadors go that are regularly in the U.S., yes. Um, I'm not too savvy on CMLL, but seeing what I know of AAA, which we'll talk about later, and knowing what I know of luchadors that regularly compete in the U.S., yes, he would be he would be in my top five. Those are good caveats to make. I should also make those caveats because as much as I would like to watch CMLL, uh, I just have not. Um, they I have make trouble it tough. navigating. I have trouble navigating. CMLL is hard channel. to find. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Well, that is an excellent stock up. Uh, it's a really good time to buy because it's only going to keep going up. This is like uh, the Bandito stock is like the the early 2000s Apple stock. It's just going to keep. It may seem expensive, but it's just still going to keep climbing. Uh, my stock up is. Um, so I'm, I'm a little on the fence. I, I think I so I could have given it to I almost gave it to Sam Guevara because I think he really showed me something in that Brian Danielson match this week um, in terms of the storytelling, in terms of the the sort of edge that his work had. I mean, still a little sloppy, but that's not a, a the end of the world. But uh, he, he worked with a sort of uh, brutality that I enjoyed a lot. But he he's he doesn't get my stock up this week because he, he was a gain. But I think an even larger gain would go to uh, Impact Wrestling's Giselle Shaw. I'm going to give her my stock up um, on this week's Impact. She was in the main event of the show uh, wrestling for the knockouts title against Jordan Grace. And I had to watch, you know, I had to watch because I love me some big mama pump. And I was totally kind of floored by the progress that Shaw has made. Shaw was rev pros. Uh, I don't want to throw around the word ace willy nilly, but like she was the top lady in rev pro for uh, a long time post pandemic. Um, they could not keep a hold of uh, any woman with a modicum of talent. It seems like they would just were leaving uh, as soon as they were featured. But Shaw stuck around, and I didn't really think highly of her Rev Pro work. She was a babyface there and just was pretty flat to me. But uh, she's working heel in Impact. Uh, she was in a, a stable with Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood, who were both now gone. And she is sort of a repackaged version right now of Dashwood. She even has someone reprising the role of Caleb Conley, the Instagram photographer type. She's the quintessential diva. And I got to tell you, in this match, I mean, she really impressed me, especially after the commercial break. A lot of really hard striking, great selling, great facial expressions and kind of emotion and geeing up the crowd. I, I think, you know, she's not all the way there, like, I think about like 20% of her offense looks awkward still and a little stiff, but it's improved a ton. And she's really close, really close to being like a real asset to uh, a women's division somewhere. I mean, she's got a lot of things that other people don't. I like how she moves and you know, I like her striking and uh, she's very athletic. But if she could just kind of iron out the awkward sort of edges of her game. I think she'd really, I mean, any any promotion really have something with her. Here is one thing that Impact has done really well for a long, long time, in that in some more knowledgeable circles, they get credit for, but maybe not everyone is too privy to. And that's developing women, developing female talent. And I think you just brought up someone that's a great example of someone who could grow and develop into someone really, really special while she's in Impact Wrestling. But the knockouts division has always kind of had a a higher standard for women's wrestling, especially in this side of the world. And if that's where she is and that's where she's going to stay, I think that's a really good sign. I think the people at Impact have an eye for talent, especially with knockout talent. And if she's there, she's there for a reason. So I, I imagine that's a pretty good stock to buy. 
Are you worried that Rain is no longer there if she was doing some of that developmental work? Kind of like another woman we were talking about in the pre-show. There's never been a time I've ever worried about Madison Rain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very fair. Um, Although I will say Sky Blue is she's also improving a pretty decent at at a pretty decent clip. I don't know. I don't know. She's getting there. She's getting there. I, I have to eat some crow on her because uh, I, I thought she was really quite terrible. And uh, she she's this week did not embarrass herself. And in fact, it looks pretty competent. So um, but speaking of eating crow in the future, possibly uh, we're going to put ourselves in a position to do that by handing out some stock downs. DJM, who is trending, who or what is trending down in the world of pro wrestling for you? I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Ricky Starks. Remember him? Mm. This is this is Tony Khan, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and I got to be honest, I'm not happy about it because I am the CEO of the Ricky Starks fan club and I'm not happy. And that stock down is a begrudging stock down. I'm not happy with the creative direction. I haven't been happy since he lost to Will Hobbs. I know he's in the world title eliminator tournament, but uh, I'm just I'm just not happy with what they're doing with Ricky Starks. I'm really not happy. Did he wrestle on Rampage? No, he didn't. OK, so he his did not. eliminator is on Dynamite then. Is that right? It better be. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think you're right to be worried here. Honestly, I, I too am worried. I think maybe he's a guy that, um, that they need to put in the weekly rotation. You know, some people are featured weekly, others aren't. And for whatever reason, it feels like Rick is, is, uh, on TV for a week and then off for two. And I really think he needs to have a chance to build some momentum on the stick and in the ring, um, as a baby face, and uh, and I think he can do it. He's got all the talent in the world. And if Tony Khan in an AEW won't give him the room, someone else will. And he'll succeed wherever he goes. I like to believe that AEW isn't missing it with Ricky Starks. Uh, I, and I hope that it's only because they only have a finite amount of television time and they're not just missing it with him because that would be really disappointing. And sometimes they put him in these bad spots, like uh, giving him promos when the crowd is uh, clearly exhausted. I thought that was like this week, the crowd just did not respond to him, but I just don't think he's had enough time. Um, and I, I too, I'm, I'm very annoyed at this. I mean, I, I, I hope he turns it around and I hope it's not like, let's, let's bury Cody's friends. <laughs> the conspiracy. No, let's, let's, no, let's not say not, that. <laughs> that's not happening. Um, my stock down. I'll also try to keep it short. Um, and it's funny. Uh, there's a parallel here because it, much like you're sort of the, the head cheerleader for uh, Ricky Starks. Um, there's another Ricky uh, Knight Jr., particularly that I've been the head cheerleader of on this podcast. I love me some RKJ, but um, his booking, the Andy Quilden booking of Ricky Knight Jr. since he won the world title from Will Ospreay this August has been a head scratcher. And I, I've got to I've got to ding him for this. I've got to do a stock down. 
sometimes I, I mean, I really like RevPro a lot. I think that they are really interested, uh, unlike a lot of indies that just kind of make matches, they're interested in doing booking and telling stories, which I think is cool. But sometimes it's just like the the low hanging fruit and the kind of the easy path is the best. And what I wanted out of an RKJ title reign now that he did finally win the big one, I wanted him to look good. I wanted him to wrestle his style, wanted him to be all action. And instead, he's wrestling these really weird matches like he wrestled this match with uh, uh, Gabe Kidd. That I was really looking forward to. It was the main event. It was his first title defense. It was in Portsmouth, I believe. And it was this odd, slow leg match. They both were were targeting the leg of the other so that no one could run around and do fun stuff. Um, sorry, my cat is bumping the microphone. Please go away. This is not a good time for you, dear. Um, it's okay. The internet loves cats. <laughs> just the, the internet would not enjoy the uh, the byproduct of the cat shenanigans. Uh, she was threatening to really ruin the pod. Um, but yeah, I I was really befuddled. And then he worked a really boring non-title match against Yota Suji. And he's wrestling in like comedy matches on the mid card. Um, and I don't know if like they're trying to do this, like he won the big one and now he's letting his foot off the gas and he's going to like uh, be punished for it, for, for sort of being lax or whatever. I, I just don't know. It's it's really weird to me, so. Yeah, they're doing other really good things in that promotion with uh, like Callum Newman and uh, Robbie X. They're elevating guys. But yeah, the, the Ricky Knight Jr. booking is is very weird. He should be having bangers. He's really not. Hmm. So uh, you do not have a futures pick. I do week. not. Although I'll I'll give a quick shout out. Just a quick shout out. Uh, this person had a very short match on AEW Dark. Uh, Kennedy Copeland. Just a, she had a quick appearance on Dark. Very very short. And uh, I don't know. There's just something about her. She had a cool look. Kennedy Copeland. She, she might be eye. my futures. She did. Nice. Okay, I'll have to check. I don't. I've never heard of this lady, so I'll I'll make a mental note. My futures is someone you probably have heard of. Um, that's New Japan's Kevin Knight, uh, current young lion in the LA dojo. I think I might have spoken about him on the pod before, but mm-hmm. I want to highlight. I want to highlight him because he is in the Super Junior Tag League. This is going to be, and I believe as we speak. New Japan Strong is airing in which Kevin Knight is facing Minoru Suzuki. Um, that should be a fun, a fun match. But um, this junior tag league run for him, he's with Taguchi. I'm sure he's going to eat a million pins. I, that's not ever what you look for in terms of a young lion, the win-loss record. But he's getting to be in a tournament, right? He's going to Japan. Uh, the office and the fans are going to get to see and react to him. And he's a freak athlete. And I, I think this is a great opportunity for him. He could turn some heads. And uh, I, I hope that somehow I know there's no way this could happen. But I want to see in the ring who actually has a, a better vertical leap, him or Sonata. I, re- I think it's it, it's an open question. They both can jump out of a gym. And uh, no, yeah, I'm really excited for, for what he uh, could potentially do and show in the tournament. Now, I remember of the Young Lions from the L.A. Dojo, at the time, Kevin Knight was the one that really 
really stood out to me the least. And you're saying he's improved since then, because back when we first talked about the L.A. Dojo, the guy that I was most high on was the DKC. And Kevin Knight really didn't stand out to me at all. Um, I would love to know his improvement, because I felt like at the time he didn't really have much of a presentation or or much of a presence. Uh, Is he kind of really being a little more outward, a little more extroverted now? I think he is. And I think he's just I think he's just sharpened up. uh, Oh, wait a minute. I I feel bad. That's not actually him wrestling Suzuki. I looked at a picture um, that that actually would be uh, I think that's Fred Yehi versus Monroe Suzuki. Um, But I think the deal with Knight is that, you know, he's not. I don't think he's he's made a drastic change in anything that you saw. I think he's just all around better. I think he's just improving at a good, solid rate. And I think I just really think that his athletic ability is going to like if you if you check in on him. Oh, I said he was teaming with with um, Taguchi as well. He's not. He's teaming with Kushida. But regardless, he'll get pinned a million times. So two two errors by me, two grave errors by me in the in the opening segment of the pod, but uh, but yeah, that's no, two I, minutes in the box. I know, I penalty for me. Sorry, uh, walk, walk in the ocean. Um, uh, no, I I just think his athletic ability really stands out, and I think it has a chance to to wow the fans. But um, but we'll see. You know, we'll see if he brings some more fire. Hopefully so. Hopefully um, so. Yeah, because really it's a nice opportunity in front of him. Um, So uh, we're going to stick with New Japan for our opening segment, DJM. Uh, We're going to keep the opening segment positive. Uh, We have some more critical segments um, up and coming. Although as as we go, this one may, this New Japan segment may turn more critical, but we shall see. Um, I wanted to speak about a couple of match of the year contenders that have occurred in new Japan since we last talked. All right. They had their, uh, battle autumn event, uh, which sold 4,000 tickets, uh, in Osaka at the Adion arena. And, uh, the main event of this particular match was will Osprey with Gideon gray versus the ungovernable Tetsuya Naito. And this got five stars from Dave Meltzer. Hey. In my own personal ratings uh, spreadsheet, I couldn't quite go the full five. Um, I went just a shade under uh, four and three quarters for me. But this match. But we're splitting hairs at that point. We are splitting hairs at that point. Uh, I think this is definitely a must watch match. As I mean, it really, most, if not all, Will Ospreay main events are, to be honest with you at this point. Um, but I think it wasn't just the Osprey show or anything like that. I mean, Tetsuya Naito still, in case you were wondering, anyone out there, the dude still has it. Like when he's called upon to bring it. And yeah, sure, there are times when he can take nights off, right? When he's not doing anything uh, of real substance when he's in multi-mans and everything. Uh, but who among us wouldn't take the night off in a new Japan multi-man? <laughs> um, on this particular night, though, he had a real nasty edge to his work. 
and uh, he's a very cerebral wrestler. And so I think he did not want to wrestle the same match as their G1 semifinal in case you were worried about that, right? Oh, here, we're going to run this back a couple months later. Very different match. He really, there were some just disgusting bumps and moves that, that uh, Naito did onto Osprey's neck. It was all about targeting Will's sort of off injured neck. Um, off injured. Setting him up for the destino. Absolutely. And uh, he just did some really gnarly shit to Will's neck and, and just beat him up. Uh, they ended up really clobbering each other. Um, probably Will's most physical match since the John Moxley match in the spring. Um, but it was awesome. I mean, just amazing. Both guys were were working at their, you know, peak high level. Um, great stuff. Will wins. And uh, in the midst of his celebration and him wondering who now will will face me and that I've beaten this guy and that guy and the other guy. Shota Umino returns the prodigal son, uh, the next Tanahashi, some say. Uh, he's no longer shooter, DJM. He's the roughness. Shota Umino. <laughs> the roughness uh he that's a name that is a name (laughs) he still has the mox leather jacket that he carries um he doesn't wear it he just carries it and uh but yeah he showed up and and you know uh laid into the empire cleared the ring and uh you know i wouldn't be surprised if we get uh umino versus osprey at wrestle kingdom uh and i'm excited to see shota back in new japan um, I was tweeting recently like he's ready. He could come back anytime. He's all the way back and he's in shape. And and lo and behold, here he is. Uh, what do you think about him and uh, his potential prospects? I believe that they're definitely going to give him every opportunity to succeed. And they're putting him right into the fire with a big match versus Will Ospreay. And good for him. If they feel like he's ready, then let's see it. Uh, I know way back on a, in a past life, on a past podcast, I said that I didn't see it with Shota Umino. Uh, as time has gone by, I've started to start seeing flashes from him personally. I saw flashes. And if they believe he's ready, then let's do it. Let's go. So if they, they put him into this thing with Osprey... Um, it's interesting. And I guess it's interesting because he's wrestled Will a couple times while he's been on excursion. But I, I guess just sort of like the young lion stuff, it sort of, I guess, doesn't count in a way. And like now that he's back, like now it's for realsies. Um, they actually wrestled at Royal Quest 2 <laughs> in the semi main event of night one in a very good match. Uh, I thought it was better than the Rev Pro match. Uh, Shota was in better shape and moved better and looked better. And, you know, if they left stuff on the table um, and they can take it up another level, I think they have a chance to, to have a great match. Um, speaking of Royal Quest 2, uh, just really quickly wanted to shout out and everyone and their their mom has heard about the FTR versus Aussie Open match at Royal Quest 2. Just wanted to throw my two cents in the ring and say, yes, that match is amazing. Um it's maybe a tad overhyped. I mean, just maybe just a little, little bit overhyped. And I say that as the world's number one Aussie Open fan. Uh, but but it's really good. It's it is up there. And as someone who who says that FTR is often 
overhyped just a little bit. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, this this match is up there for me with FTR Briscoes. It's in that mix. I don't know if there's a clear sort of superior match of the three, but it, it is on that level. Um, there's a, the, the thing that put it over the top for me is actually something that hurt it for other people. But there's this amazing spot, uh, DJM, when uh, <laughs> both guys, uh, both FTR guys put both Aussie Open guys in sharpshooters and uh, Fletcher and Davis are looking at each other, screaming in pain. And Davis raises his hand as if he is going to tap out and Fletcher slaps Davis across the face and tells him, no, don't you fucking tap. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. (laughs) It ruled. That's I love that stuff. So uh, I I went to that. Um, Speaking of tag teams, uh, let's talk about New Japan's tag leagues, junior and heavyweight. They are happening concurrently. Everybody's Uh, favorite time of the year in New Japan. Yep. Yeah. Instead of stretching the, the tag league, the tag leagues. So instead of stretching these out over two months, both of them are running together. Uh, we are we are having them. But and look, people shit on World Tag League and rightfully so, I think. But I'm here to tell you, I'm excited about World Tag League this year. I'm excited. Not about both weight. Are lines. you excited for Okay, I was going to say, are you excited for the juniors or are you excited for both? I'm excited for both. I'm not excited about every single team in both of these, but I'm excited about the variety. It is we're not getting like I felt like in the the late aughts, there was it felt really run backy. It felt like maybe one team would be different and the other nine would be the same here. And I that think, made its way into the 2010s, too. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's what I actually meant. The the late 2010s, uh, it, it was that way for. Uh, but but I think that we have some variety here. And uh, so I'm going to run you through these teams and uh, let me know where you're at, DJM, what, who you feel excited about um, and who you think has a chance to win and challenge FTR Wrestle Kingdom for the belts. OK, here we go in the heavyweight tag league. We got Bishamon, Goto Yoshihashi. We have House of Torture, <laughs> uh, Evil, and Yujiro. Fantastic. We have uh, LIJ, we have Naito and Sonata. United Empire, Hanare and Great Okan. Why, why not, not Cobb Not the Okan? team I would have picked. Not why the not? team I would have picked. I is Jeff, is Jeff Cobb like injured? I feel like I remember hearing he's injured. Maybe maybe he's injured. I don't know about that. Um, I don't know, but you but feel free to do some some Google Jutsu while I while I continue to read if you want. I'll look I into haven't that. heard anything. Um, we have something called Bebop Tag Team. Uh, Toru Yano and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, boy, they love to waste Hiroshi Tanahashi in these tag leagues. <laughs> Oh boy! Um, well, uh, that that gives Tanahashi. Well, I mean, it is tag league, so you know, it's it's, it's good for him. Yeah, he can uh, he can rest up a little bit for Wrestle Kingdom, I guess. Um, he should get that Okada deal, though. Okada never works tag league. Um, uh, we got us another United Empire team, Aussie Open, 
course, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher. Probably my picks to win the thing and uh, run it back with Aussie, uh, rather FTR at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, we have, okay. I'm, according to the observer, uh, Jeff Cobb off of New Japan, Tamashi in uh, New Zealand uh, for personal reasons. So he's out for personal reasons, it looks mm. like. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, you know, get well soon. We wish him all the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, excited about this next team is the Suzuki Goon team of Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. Um, they'll probably lose a lot, but, uh, but I love that team. <laughs> I love that team. Um, this next team has inexplicably been IWGP heavyweight tag team champions this year. Bad luck, Folly and Chase Owens. Um, oh God, you're right. They, they were tag team champions uh, in the summer, spring. I don't know. And then uh, the Mighty Don't Kneel, TMDK, Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols round out the heavyweight tag league. Uh, thoughts, predictions? Out of that list, I can definitely say that is definitely World Tag League. <laughs> I'll go with the Mighty Don't Kneel by default. Okay. Like, okay. It's it's not going to be Yano and Tanahashi. No, that that particular combination of the United Empire probably not. Uh, Aussie Open Bullet Club, Bullet Club. No, Aussie Open maybe. But since that match just happened, I don't know. So I feel like it might just go to the Mighty Don't Kneel by default. So this is a World Tag League, but like I think there's enough here. To, to give us some interesting because I like TMDK. Um, people have been, you know, I've heard some wrestling podcasts be like, I, I wonder if they're still wonder no more. Watch New Japan Strong. They have wrestled matches as a team on that show. Uh, they were in the tournament to crown the strong open weight champions. And uh, they, they lost to Aussie Open in that final. So maybe that is the deal, right? That they they get their win back and uh, get one over on Aussie open here. Uh, I could see it. I think they're going to be good. I think Aussie open will be great. I like the Suzuki goon team. I like Hanare and Okan a lot. Um, I'll be excited for them. The LIJ team is always solid here. Um, and I like Bishamon. People are not excited about Bishamon. Bishamon are, are freaking good, dude. Uh, yeah, they're good. I, they're, I got to see them live uh, on Rampage in Detroit. Uh, that was cool. Finally got to see Goto live in person. They're great. They're great. I just feel like maybe they're just a little bit of an old bit. Maybe. And I don't see them pulling out the... You know, they pr they might be the favorite. They might be the favorite. Just because they, uh, on this, they might be the most cohesive unit of them all. And going up against FTR, that kind of makes sense. They could they could travel to America. It, it kind of makes sense that Bishamon could win it, could win it all. It makes sense. Yeah. I just feel like to be different, I'd like to see the Mighty Don't Kneel pick up the win. I think they could do it. I think that they're like, they're, they're totally going to be in the mix. Um, and I'm looking forward to people being like, oh man, they're still good because they are still good. Um, just as, as long as they don't have Mike Nichols do singles matches anymore. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> the junior tag league, uh, 
Talk about difference and variety. Junior Tag League this year. Lots of uh, newcomers to this competition. So now this looks fun. This looks fun. Yeah, for sure. So here's uh, here's the list. The champions are, in fact, in this tournament. Uh, Catch-22, that's Francesco Akira and TJP of the United Empire. Um, Yo and Leo Rush listed here as Chaos. I guess Leo Rush is in Chaos now? Question Man, ca- Chaos is a revolving door. <laughs> chaos is the world. There, everyone. Chaos is a construct. <laughs> it's just, it's just the uh, 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 Hontai. There is no difference. Um, yeah, Leo Rush back in New Japan, in Japan proper, tag teaming with Yo. Um, I want to stop here because I, I want to. Like, what do you think about this team? What are your thoughts on Rush being back in in pro wrestling here after kind of an extended leave? Can can you get excited about Leo Rush at this point in late 2022? I really can't. I'll be honest, but (laughs) truthfully, this is good for him. He'll have something to do in Japan and he is definitely still fresh over there. I think that the the glow has worn off of him here in the US so maybe going over there where he has a fresh start will be good for him and tagging with somebody like yo they'll they'll put good matches together i think that that is a team that will that will do something well together i agree i agree, I agree on all points um i think i might be a little bit more excited about just rush the performer than you but i sort of didn't live through the WWE NXT uh, Leo Rush. So I've let less he's he's less overexposed to me, but but I don't see him sticking around long term or anything like that. Um, next on the list, uh, a fresh LIJ team, uh, Bushi and Teton. So Hiromu out of the tag league, focusing yes. on the singles title uh, and the fresh LIJ uh what 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 is the word Naito uses? A uh, pareja, Teton. Um, love this. Very excited. Teton is back and doing some more work in New Japan. Um, we got the uh, Bullet Club Impact Edition. Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Uh, we have Flying Tiger, Robbie Eagles, and Tiger Mask. Uh, they've been the champions. I want to say at one point. Yes, um, they have. We have House of Torture, Dick Togo, and Show. Uh, oh that, boy that'll be, that's uh, gonna be some shenanigans that'll be that'll be everybody's night off a, f- um, a few dqs <laughs> yeah a few more than a few um oh god ryusuke taguchi I'm, and clark <laughs> connors i'm very annoyed at this. the team collectively known as wild hips wild hips <laughs> Yeah, baby. Man, I'm. Couldn't they have put Connors with oh, anybody else? Like anybody what? else? I guess you couldn't make Coglin a junior. I don't know anyone on earth. Yeah, just like because we're. I think we're past the like tournament to Gucci. So, you know, where he turns it on or whatever like that, that we haven't seen that in a couple of years. So now he he's the funky weapon forever now. <laughs> yes. Yep. 
Um, well, the Suzuki Goon team of uh, Kanemaru and Doki. Uh, Doc, one- I just realized something we never got from that New Japan crossover with Pro Wrestling Noah. What's that? We never got Ryusuke Taguchi and Muhammad Yone. Yes, I know. We didn't. We, uh, we, I guess pro wrestling couldn't handle that much funk. No, it would have been too much. It would have no, too no funky. Sawa, no Sawa w- wouldn't stand for it. It was too funky. Yeah, too too funky for that guy. Um, it, yeah, I very just Clark poor Connors. Any okay? So Suzuki Goon, Kanemaru and Doki, uh, another uh, team that is um, uh, sort of a fresh team because. Despy is focusing on uh, the singles title. So we have Doki sliding in here. Um, and the occasional death match. Right. No, true. By the way, did you see that match he had with Jun Kasai? Haven't seen it yet. Oh, man. That match was phenomenal. Ooh, okay. It was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I'm going to... That it got this strong reaction out of you is definitely piques my interest. So, I mean, I will say that it is it is definitely more on the the hardcore side, but uh, it was a phenomenal match. I mean, Despy Despy loves, you know, he he's, you know, he's a New Japan guy. He loves his New Japan matches, but he's he's not not afraid to bleed. Yeah. Yeah, He had that Moxley match in the summer that I went to. He had this Kasai match. This is this is interesting. Um, got Kevin Knight and Kushida mentioned that earlier in the show. And then probably the weirdest combination of dudes, um, L Lindemann and Alex Zane. Uh, I, I have heard that they had teamed together in great that, that Alex Zane is sort of like not officially in strong hearts, but like they have teamed together. So it's not just totally like two dudes meeting for the first time on the apron. <laughs> you know what I mean? Alex Zane, so. Alex Zane introduced L Lindemann to Taco Bell <laughs> and, and the rest is history. He introduced strong hearts to Taco Bell and that's how right. he got in. Yes. Yes. Shiba has a new favorite place. Um, <laughs> like, like Okada in, in an out burger. Oh my God. I, that's, that's a fun one. Um, so who do you, who do you like here? Do you think it's like it's too weird to call? Um, I, what do you? A think? lot of these teams are just fun. They're fun. Um, everybody here is a little bit different. You've got Bullet Club Impact version. Uh, I like Flying Tiger. Uh, I I know that House of Torture. Your mileage may vary, but I I know that I will appreciate their shenanigans. Uh, wild hips. I know there'll be some <laughs> shenanigans. Um, I love the team of Doki and Kanemaru because they're just going to be absolute dirtbag heels. Yes. Uh, Catch 22. Uh, I've always kind of had a soft spot for TJP. So Hell looking yeah. forward to that. It's my problematic fave. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah. And he he's. He's one of those. And I think there's there's a lot happening with this junior tag league. If I had to pick someone to come out of it as the winners, I'm going to say I'm going to say L.I.J. Damn it. You stole my pick. <laughs> OK. All right. You stole my pick. Um, We're picking L.I.J. And this is one of those where it, it, you might not be excited about that avid New Japan fan because you've just seen this match. They were the opener on the Battle Autumn show that I mentioned. 
But the thing about it is, it was a great opener. <laughs> like those dudes worked their asses off and bumped like crazy. And I would love to see it again for the for the titles. Sure. Maybe it'll be even better. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Leo Rush and Yo. Like, I think that would be kind of cool. Like he, you know, what what could Leo Rush do in front of a packed Tokyo Dome? Uh, I think that would be interesting. But if you're the New Japan office, do you trust that he will be available in two months? You know what I mean? So I don't know if you go there. I think Flying Tiger actually has more of a chance than you might think to win this. I can see that. I can see Flying Tiger. Because <laughs> the office loves Robbie Eagles. Loves and Tiger Mask is Tiger Mask. He, yeah, he's an institution. So I I think, you know, Eagles will will pick up the, the wins and Tiger Mask will take the falls. <laughs> that's how that's going to go. But I think they'll be in the mix at the end. Um, so this will be fun. I, I'm really looking. Have I got you more excited or interested in this, DJM? In this oh, I was already interested in the junior tag league okay. for sure. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll pop in on the junior tag league now and then. Okay, all right, cool. Well, I'll have to pick your brain about it uh, as it happens later in the month. Uh, moving moving on through New Japan, um, the world's TV title tournament has kind of reached its end point. Um, we got the final at Wrestle Kingdom. It's going to be uh, your your favorite wrestler, Zack Saber Jr. versus the son of Strong Style, Ren Narita. Um, Zach. Give Zach a belt. Give Zach a belt. Okay. Give Zach a belt. Give Zach a belt. <laughs> he beat Alex Zane, David Finley, and in a shenanigan-filled match that I loved, beat Evil in the semifinal. Uh, Narita beat uh, Tomohiro Ishii in an awesome match, um, and he beat <laughs> he beat Toriano. Uh, and then he beat Sonata uh, at the Battle Autumn in the semifinal in a pretty solid match. I, I hear you. I hear you on Give ZSA a belt. However, who stands to gain more by winning this brand new title? Narita or, or ZSJ? I'm going to still say Zack Sabre Jr. Because he has that... They have to have mentioned it before that in IWGP championship singles matches, he's oh for a million. They had to have mentioned that. And so many times he blows up at these losses in championship matches. It's a jinx he has to conquer. It's it's become a part of his his character now that he can't win the big one. And. I feel like he has to shake that at some point, has he? Perhaps. Perhaps. I think that this title, as fun as it is, as sort of interesting as the sort of 15-minute thing uh, and all of that uh, is, what I keep coming back to, despite the lineup of the tournament, is that when they rolled this belt out, Obari himself said that it was meant to showcase younger wrestlers. You know, he's got to be in his bonnet about being like stardom and making stars in their 20s. So which I've said has some validity to it, some validity to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just that kind of notion in and of itself, I think. Sure. Yes, I can see this. Um, So with that in mind, you'd think 
that the office, you know, would want them to go Narita. Now, they didn't really feature any other young wrestlers in this tournament. I guess you could argue Finley, but uh, he only made it to the second round. I think this title might be beneath Zach. Um, I don't know, you know, how they're going to feel about it long term. Will it go the way of, of the KOPW? You know, will it go the way of uh, the Never Six Man? Um, the U30 title. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, you just, I just don't know. Um, so I would think that the play here would be for uh, Zach to put over the son of strong style as much as I love Zach. And you know, I love Zach. I think he's one of the best wrestlers in this company and I want to see him win gold tag or singles. But I think, I think it was already written in the stars before they minted the belt that they were going to put it on Ren Narita. And I think that's probably the smart play. Now I understand why they would put the title on Ren Narita. I understand that. I just, I feel like I'm going to have a temper tantrum like Zach <laughs> at some point. Zach's had those temper tantrums after he loses big championship matches. And I feel the same way. So, yeah, that's how I feel. Bring back the Intercontinental title. <laughs> Bring it back. He's a perfect, perfect guy for that belt. He could, he could have the strong title. Just something. Huh. You know, that's never crossed my mind before, but that's very interesting. That's interesting. Um, that would be amazing. I love to have Zach tour in the U.S. Please. Yes. Speaking of amazing stories, I found this next agenda item just astonishing, frankly. And that is uh, Yuya Yuremura, uh, someone who we both have been really high on you in particular. And uh, according to his Twitter, he's just done with New Japan. Like, I'll read you some tweets here from his timeline. Indeed. It's, it's not a thick timeline. So on October 22nd, he tweets the match graphic out. That's uh, him facing Christopher Daniels on New Japan Strong. And he says, thank you, Christopher Daniels. And bye bye, New Japan. Huh. That's weird. May 6th. Uh, this is something he originally tweeted on May 6th, but he retweeted it right after the Daniels match. And it's, it goes, I need to wrestle more in the United States. And then he's got some retweets of him wrestling on Impact. And then he has a tweet from October 28th that says Yuya Uremura is available. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and then he's got... Carl Fredericks, and we know how Who? his relationship with New Japan went. Right. Uh, he's got Carl Fredericks on his timeline, <laughs> quote tweeting his uh, sort of bye bye New Japan kind of tweets saying, tell me about it, baby. And uh, he's responded with, with, with Uemura replying, you already know. You already know, Carl. Um, and then uh, very recently, on November 4th, Uribera tweets, I'll go anywhere, U.S., Canada, Europe, New Zealand, Mexico, Asia, Middle East, etc. So it's not just a one-off. You know, he hasn't been on New Japan Strong or any New Japan TV shows since the Daniels match in October. 
it, it appears that he has cut ties with the company or the company has cut him loose. I, I haven't heard anything about this story like officially, but a really, really promising young lion, um, Japanese young lion, no less, um, is uh, is is not affiliated with the company anymore. And now I don't know if they have any Japanese young lions out on excursion right now. I don't think that they I think he was the one. Now that Umino's back, I, I think everyone is in Japan. This is very odd to me. I I question this, you know, unless he has kind of thrown some kind of temper tantrum or been upset at the office or or some kind of relationship breakdown has occurred. I don't know why, just from my pure talent standpoint, you would let this guy go because I think he's fantastic. This is a this is a loss for them. What do you think about this? I think that maybe Yuya Uemura saw what he he could do outside of New Japan because I believe that his potential is limitless. I've said that from the beginning. He has something that I have not seen from a young lion in a long, long time. I genuinely believe he's a special talent. Mm -hmm. And maybe New Japan isn't what he had his eye on. And there's another guy who was in New Japan for a long time, but was a special talent as a young lion, but was also someone who always talked about having his eye elsewhere. And that was Shinsuke Nakamura. And we see how things worked out for him. He had an extremely successful career in New Japan before making his way to the United States. And that maybe Yuya Uremura wants to fast forward that a little bit and just take his chances here in America. Because I think that people have compared him to the likes of Ricky Steamboat and Ricky Morton. I've said I see flashes of Hiroshi Tanahashi in him. I genuinely believe he's a special talent. And maybe, just maybe, he's he needs to spread his wings and fly beyond the confines of New Japan for a little bit. Maybe that's just what he needs. Hmm. So you're saying this is a business decision on his part? Oh, absolutely. I believe that he he wants to build his name beyond just being a New Japan guy. He wants Yuya Uremura to be a star name. Somebody that will be able to name his price. So and maybe maybe he'll go back to New Japan someday as a bigger star rather than just a young lion back from excursion. Mm -hmm. So are you are you thinking that he's perhaps thinking WWE like Nakamura? Because I'll tell you what, like the if that if that's the calculus, I think he's made an error because I think put if you want to put yourself self rather in the highest quality shop window for places like WWE, I think you do better wrestling in New Japan than the American Indies. Maybe, maybe, but I think that Yuya Uemura. Maybe when it came to the Young Lions system, 
Uemura always stood out to me. He always stood out. He wasn't just a typical young lion. And maybe that was the problem. Maybe he just didn't fit in with that system. Maybe it was just a little too rigid for him. And he has maybe more of a little bit of a free spirit like Nakamura did. Mm. And maybe he just needs to spread his wings and go elsewhere. Not necessarily WWE, although that could be a possibility. He's working with Impact right now. I think right now, don't rule anything out. I just think that if he gets a place that has some that has some recognizability, I think he'll succeed. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I haven't seen his impact stuff. I would imagine that's good because he's just a quality wrestler. Um, I, I hope he gets I hope he gets booked. I mean, you know, the, the tweets escalate from I need to wrestle in the U.S. more to I'll go anywhere. <laughs> the New Zealand you know, uh, the Middle East, I don't get. So I hope it's not the case that he's just not getting booked. That would be a shame um, because he is extremely talented. And yep, uh, you know, I I wish him the best, man. I hope it works out for him. Uh, and if he is betting on himself, uh, I hope that he wins. Uh, I think we'd all be better off for that. I agree 100 uh, percent. So you ready to shift gears here and talk? Uh, talk about the green mat, uh, you know, jump on the arc. Oh, why not? Let's talk about the Open Door Wrestling Podcast. Favorite promotion <laughs> to talk about Pro Wrestling Noah. Why not? Pro Wrestling Noah has had a pretty eventful time since we last got together. Um, they've had some, some pretty eventful shows. Uh, we're going to talk about. Pro Wrestling Love Forever 3 and Global Honored Crown. Um, do you want to talk big picture or do you want to go like item by item here on our on Let's our go list? big picture. Let's go big picture. Let's All keep right. it moving. Okay. So uh, big picture of Noah. Um, I'm, I'm really worried. Uh, I'm worried about Kiyomiya still. Um, much to the chagrin of Noah PR, uh, I, I really am am anxious. What are they doing with him? <laughs> what are they doing? Like, so this pro wrestling love forever three show. The the, the, the did you see the main event? Did you see the uh, Kiyomiya versus Cass Fujita match? I did not because I avoid matches with that man. I mean, you're probably in a more mentally healthy state right now than I am because you did not see that match. That match was like a total. It, it was it was the, the saddest match, and the, the cage match inmates have it at a seven, but that's because really? you, have this, you have this split between people who are rating it a ten and people who are rating it a three, um, and there's not a lot in between because like. <sighs> Fujita just w wouldn't sell. He wouldn't sell anything. There's a spot in the opening minutes of the match where, you know, Kaito is trying to wrestle control back and they're in a, a collar and elbow tie up. And he wants to do this kind of spinning takedown. It looks like he wants to uh, get him in a headlocker and get him to the mat. And 
Fujita just uncooperatively does not move and Kaito just sort of spins off him. And it's the sort of spot where you can tell. I mean, sometimes you can just tell like it wasn't meant to go that way. And Fujita didn't sell. Fujita uh, just kind of ran roughshod over the kid. And Fujita kicked out uh, of the Shining Wizard. And when he when he got pinned, when the referee counted three, the man had had kicked out at two point five. Um, because his ass was not laying down for Kaito Kiyomiya. And then he rolled out of the ring and he walked away and he was yelling about it. But uh, Kaito, of course, covered in sweat, worked his ass off, laying in a pool of tears, crying, excited, celebrated, winded. No emotion really from Fujita except a little grumpy. Like it was just, it was the opposite. <laughs> it was the total opposite. If I, like, could Cass Fujita not uh, could could these guys not do business the right way? Shake the next man in the, the next ace, the heir apparent, shake the guy's hand, put him over clean. And like and you have people out here saying like, well, he couldn't have, you know, the, the fans would not have have appreciated that. Like they wouldn't have bought no. into it because Fujita's oh, this shut up, legit fighting shut up. monster. Shut up. People would walk out or whatever and like, listen, that means you don't know how to book pro wrestling. Then you you can't book pro wrestling. You are incompetent at booking pro wrestling. If that's your mindset, if the if the pro wrestler that you spent years trying to build your company around is nothing compared to an aged tomato can MMA fighter, uh, Inoki shoot fighter, then you, you are an incompetent company. Noah, I'm looking at you. You're an incompetent company. If that's what you say. I I mean, I'm not saying I want Kaito to squash Fujita. I mean, part of me does, right? I mean, that'd be funny. I mean, that'd be great. It'd be hilarious, but realistically, don't want necessarily want that. I just want Fujita to sell a little bit, and I want Kaito to win clean in the middle of the ring. Is that so much to ask? Making stop making the kid look like a geek. I'm going to use the Brian Alvarez word. Stop making Kaito Kiyomiya look like a geek. He's so talented. Stop it. Saying the fans would walk out or whatever. This isn't well, goddamn well, rings. <laughs> then you don't no know one. how to book. Then you don't know how to book. If you believe the fans would walk out because of that, you do not know how to book. And you yeah. should not be running a pro wrestling company. And I mean, like they have this idea that like. No, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not even <laughs> going to give. I'm not even going to give that oxygen. It's such a bad take. We're not giving that oxygen. We're moving on. I want to talk about Ninja Mac. Okay. I'm mad about that too. All right. All right. Well, tell me why you're mad about Ninja Mac. I'm mad about Ninja Mac. One, because he had a mask that looked like Super Dragon. And two, uh, since we're going to talk about Global Honored Crown a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, in his first title defense, uh, his, his match against Dante Leon was a good match. It was a good, uh, I'll say, good independent wrestling style match. It, it yeah. was in- but it was good. Yeah. Uh, but in his first title defense, Ninja Mac lost to Dante Leon. And Dante Leon is the new GHC junior heavyweight champion. 
Can I just Why? Can we pause for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> There's like so many different levels to this, right? There's like Dante Leon, GHC champion. Who on this planet <laughs> would have thought a year ago, six months ago, that 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 sentence would be uttered and not as a joke? Like, and this, you know, I'm happy for Dante Leon. Dante Leon, and like you said, he wrestled a, a really yeah. nice match in Corican. Dante just, Leon is fine. He's fine. Just such a bizarre, like this GCW guys, the <laughs> the junior. They so Noah has had five ever non Japanese junior champs and two of them have occurred like this week <laughs> do you know do you know who the other three are besides ninja mac and dante leon i know one of them's brian Without danielson yep, yep um one of them is it's not low-key um no. eddie edwards no no he was heavy okay okay then then no it's Ricky Marvin and Ricky Marvin, yeah. Michael Modest, <laughs> Mike Modest. That's a blast yes. from the past. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and add Ninja Mac and Dante Leone uh, to that list. Um, now, the thing is, Ninja Mac has really made a name for himself in Noah. The fans over there love him. They love him. And the match against Hayata. <laughs> Ended under unfortunate circumstances. It Hayata couldn't answer a 20 count outside the ring after a power bomb. He was injured and he couldn't answer the 20 count, which ended with with Ninja Mac winning the junior heavyweight championship. What's so bad about Ninja Mac keeping the title going forward? It's, it's and then weird, man. if you're so set on Hayata being champion, just save it for the rematch. I, I wish I could just say to Noah, this stuff isn't that hard. <laughs> and and I don't I don't know why they have so many problems. Just this stuff isn't that hard, guys. It's not that hard. It it's really not. I mean, you're gifted a Ninja Mac title run, honestly. I mean, even if you didn't want it right now, I can, think can it's you imagine good. a junior heavyweight championship match between Ninja Mac and Yohei? Oh my god, it'd be it'd be great. How be cool would that awesome. be? Yohei, uh Ohara, Daisuke Harada. I mean, I want to see him wrestle all these guys singles. Um, I love the junior division in Noah. It's like one of the reasons for me to keep watching the fucking promotion. And yeah, it just is so like, like they have to be doing stuff. You know what I mean? They can't just let things ride that happen to be good. They either people have to be changing units or you know, titles have to be. This changed. ain't Dragon Gate. <laughs> yeah, apparently, it is. Um, well, yeah, it is. Like with the with the the unit shuffle is um is is real. Uh, it you know it hadn't happened uh pretty strongly there for a couple months, but then you don't watch the promotion for a month or two, and you flip back and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> Seiki Yoshioka is a part of the Noah Junior Army. He was in Stinger. Why did the Why did they break up? I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, what's They're his just, face? Uh, <laughs> what's his uh, face also came back at the the Mudo show at the Pro Wrestling Love Forever. Um, uh, how uh, he used he was teaming in um, Congo with uh, he used to be called Neo, but he lost the right to that name, so he's Hiroki again. He's high sixty nine. Uh, but his former tag team partner Howell, uh, 
he lost like a loser leaves town match and he left for a while, but now he's back and he's going under a different name, has a different look. So, yeah, more junior shenanigans uh, occurring. I also I would have kept the title on Ninja Mac. Do, do you feel better about it? Well, you probably don't. But like they they protected him in that, you know, Dante Leon tapped out to his cross face while, you know, after a ref bump. So Ninja Mac won the match. So he'll probably get a rematch. Right. You would think so. Right. Not with this company. <laughs> we don't know what they're going to do from we, month to month. No idea. Speaking of that, another surprise out of nowhere title change. Masakatsu Funaki uh, took on El Hijo del Wa- Dr. Wagner Jr. for the GHC national title. And El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. won. I was totally surprised because it's not like he's been on like a winning streak or anything. No, um, no, it's just <laughs> just Funaki dropping. Just, <laughs> like what? Just, what? What? What is Noah doing? What? What are they doing? And like, uh, you know, uh, Inamura came out to challenge him. I'm like, all right, let's go, Inamura. Like, but then I'm like, why couldn't Funaki have just dropped the belt to Inamura? <laughs> Um, and you know, having well, what said are they that, gonna do? Have, have him beat Inamura and get the belt back. God. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly it. They want the, the young promising talent to acquire the belt from a no name so they can be beaten by the old guy. <laughs> that's awesome. By very, the old guy who's exciting. still very badass, but still he's old. Yeah. And I will listen, I, I there is a separation here between the tomato can Fujita and, and Funaki. I mean, Funaki oh, actually miles, miles. I mean, he he that match with with Wagner. I had no problem with that match. I mean, it was like not I, a fantastic match or anything, but like he sold and, and you know, did his did his part. I thoroughly enjoyed the entirety of Funaki's national championship reign from start to finish. Yeah. It was good, which is why the title change was so surprising, because it seemed like he was really on a roll. <laughs> I think he's he did. He almost made 300 days. He nearly got there. Couldn't quite. Um, I do think the best thing going in Noah right now in the heavyweight division is the Kojima Sugira tag team. Um, For sure. I, I love that team and just pretty much anything they want to do. Like the match that they had at Love Forever 3 versus Kano and Nakajima, I thought was very good. I thought that was probably the best match on the show, um, which is not a super high bar because that show wasn't like amazing. But I thought that was a good match. And if you were just hankering to see some Noah, that will be the match I would point you to in terms of recent stuff. Um, Because those dudes own Kojima and Sugira are, you know, guys, but they're great and uh they don't mind making the young dudes look good so i'm always happy about that and uh are how are you feeling okay we should mention kiyomiya also wrestled tim thatcher at corican at uh global honor crown what'd you think of he this did match? it was fine mm-hmm. timothy thatcher mm-hmm. is one of those dudes that people love but i'm just kind of cold on he's just sort of there to me but the match was fine the match was absolutely 
okay. Kiyomiya did everything he was supposed to do. I like that he has kind of his own version of the Shining Wizard now that he's kind of made for himself. In that case, fine. He's got his own version of it. So fine that he wins matches with it took four of them but still whatever tim thatcher four (sighs) and i like tim thatcher fine but um no i agree with you this match was aggressively fine i think the last five minutes were were pretty good like i enjoyed it once they kind of cranked up the intensity a little bit but if you want to know why we love zach saber jr so much like watch some Masakatsu Funaki and some Tim Thatcher and you'd be like, oh, my God. Like, OK, I appreciate ZSJ's Matt wrestling now because he can make it really entertaining while keeping it on the mat. And it's not easy. Uh, and Tim Thatcher shows you why it's not easy. <laughs> and if you're if you're not just a, a huge grapple fuckhead or, or an MMA guy, um, you, you may struggle to stay super interested during Tim Thatcher matches. That's the big thing with Zack Sabre Jr. is that he does all of that stuff, but he also has such a big personality and so much outward charisma that he just makes it. He just has a complete package. He's uh, as as Maxwell likes to say, he's a, he's a generational talent. I really think so. I think him and Will are the best to come out of the UK. Uh, and I guess... Well, Walter is not from the UK, but he I just always think of him as associated with that scene. But uh, but yeah, Zach and Will are the dudes that have come out of there in the last in in this century. Um, uh, So Kiyomiya, you know, Kiyomiya wins and uh, Kano comes out the challenge. Kano says, you know, you've been carrying the torch for Muda. I'm carrying the torch for Noah and we're going to do the damn thing. At uh, at the Budokan Hall on November, uh, sorry, November on January first, New Year's Day. Know the New Year. Uh, the two, probably the two best guys in the promotion, are are going to headline. And you know, I don't think that they can wrestle a worse match than they did uh, when Kiyomiya won the title. I was very underwhelmed by that. And I think the occasion, I think, sort of the state of the promotion <laughs> and like what's sort of riding on this, I think. You know, as long as the pressure doesn't doesn't get to Kiyomiya, and I don't think it will, I expect this to be an excellent, excellent match. I expect both guys to be in top gear and deliver. Agreed 100%. I have complete faith in these two. All right. All right. Let's keep it timely. Let's keep it moving and talk a little bit about AEW. Yeah, let's, because let's fly across the Pacific. Let's let's head back to the USA and talk AEW. And recently, someone has arrived in All Elite Wrestling. Someone who I've always called my guilty pleasure favorite pro wrestler. He's a guilty pleasure of mine. Zach, he's a native of your home state of Tennessee. We're talking about J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E, double T, the last outlaw. Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Ain't he great? <laughs> Ain't he great? Ain't he great? Oh, man. Jeff Jarrett is all elite and m- m- much to the chagrin of many people. But listen, I, I couldn't be happier. I I I love it. I, I soak it in. I-, I I treasure every moment because love he's, it. Love he's a delight. He is a scamp. I know he and I'm totally he's such a wrestler. He's such a wrestler. He, 
he god he is and i'm i'm talking his on stage wrestler persona right because jeff Jarrett, the office guy we can have a different discussion about and i will listen to criticisms i will not listen to criticisms of the last outlaw coming out there in aw two out of every three weeks and smashing a guitar over someone's head won't hear a criticism of it because it's great. And we get we get to hear my world again. Oh my god! It's it's <laughs> like we're back on we're back wee, on planet. Wee, wee. It's so great. It's like the best worst theme music uh, in pro wrestling. I love it so much. It just, I mean, like I was <laughs> I was afraid I was going to wake my kids up the other night catching up on a the dynamite rerun, just cackling. I was cackling loud as can be yes. my world became him because it's just, you know, that that Jeff Jarrettness will ensue. And look, um, and Doc, just between you and me, is it okay. part of the is it part of the joy of Jeff Jarrett seeing how many people cringe at Jeff oh, Jarrett? Yeah. Isn't oh, isn't yeah. that part of the fun, too? <laughs> Yeah, it's almost it's sort of like the Cody thing in some ways. Like I kind of get off on people being pissed off about it. Um, but it's it's not this totally ironic thing for me. Like when he was out there on Dynamite, he did a better job of getting over Lethal Dutt and uh, and Sing than those dudes have done on their own. Um, I thought he he put them over very very well uh, on the mic. And listen, and I love him smashing people with guitars. I love him it's calling people slap nuts. It's calling people slap nuts. I love him making fun of Sting. I love him, you know, being another legend to come in and put over Darby Allen. Ultimately, um, I think it's great. I don't. I don't. Why do Why do people have a problem with this? It's not like he's going to go win the world title, right? <laughs> right? No. No. <laughs> no. No. Um. No, he's great. He's amazing. Ain't um, he great? He he is. Um, I have I have nothing bad to say. And, and so he's brought in to be the business director. Maybe people have a problem with this, right? So they hired him to be the the head of business development or whatever. And uh, now he was recently in WWE as the head of live events. Yes. So so he's sort of being. <clears throat> someone that is definitely more on the production side of things. He's not going to have, it, it looks like he's not going to be in a position of power uh, with creative decisions, but he's definitely going to be more of the production side because that really is something he knows about. He knows how to run a wrestling promotion yep. I mean, and learn, he knows how to learn, produce uh, pro wrestling. Learn from the best man. His daddy, Jerry Jarrett, ran this territory here in Tennessee uh, fruitfully for for many, many years. Um, And uh, once upon a time, what couldn't he have been like the head of WWE if certain things broke right or WWF? Yeah. Um, Him and Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's um, what a wild what if. Um, But no, I mean, maybe that's the reason some people are annoyed, right, is because they feel like. You know, Jeff Jarrett keeps failing up, you know, it keeps getting hired and fired and then hired in a better place. But that's again, the, to me, that's part of the hilarity of this is like he just keeps winning. He's the, he's sir. He's a survivor. He just he keeps made, winning. 
He outlasted Vince McMahon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I I mean, a man who himself, he like extorted uh, or blackmailed Vince, basically. And then Vince hired him back eventually. Just incredible. Put him in the Hall Um, of Fame. I know. Just so good. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I don't know if he's going to be like... Uh, sort of doing the live event thing for AEW. Some people think he's been brought in to expand their international rights deals, like particularly with India. And maybe that's why they're pairing him up with Satnam Singh. Um, I guess, I guess either way, I think, you know, it's, I, I think it's a fine hire. The only argument that I've heard against Jarrett that I thought was the most interesting was this DJM and that, let me see what you think about this. And it's not particularly against Jeff Jarrett per se, but it is the fact that like AEW was this uh, alternative promotion. It was a fresh promotion. It was a place that new kind of voices, new hands in the wrestling business with with kind of fresh takes were getting a chance to implement their vision and. Jeff Jarrett is definitely not that he's someone who's kind of runs against that ethos because he has been, you know, steeped in the wrestling business for so long that he's sort of like old wrestling at this point. And will he kind of contaminate uh, the, 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 the sort of counterculture alternative, fresh direction sort of thing. But like you said, he's not going to be in creative. So, so maybe that's just unfounded. What, what do you think about that? I can absolutely counter that argument because Jeff Jarrett calls himself the last outlaw. And in pro wrestling, the word outlaw has a certain connotation. It does. Of being outside of the mainstream. And the Jarrett family was always outside of the mainstream of pro wrestling. Uh, Jeff eventually started a wrestling company to be an alternative. And that was the whole point. He wanted to be an alternative wrestling company. And he almost did it again with Global Force. He almost did that twice. So if there's one guy that knows about how to be an alternative to the mainstream wrestling company, yeah, I would probably say it's Jeff Jarrett because he's someone that has always gone up against the giant billionaire corporate machine. It makes sense to me. He's not he's not a corporate guy. He never has been. Yeah, no, that that makes sense to me, too. I think that's totally fair. Um, You know, if if he is brought in to sort of run house shows and, and create this kind of house show circuit or, or business for AEW where they haven't really had one. Um, I have to say part of me, it kind of wonders about that for this reason. Um, and, and I know that there are counter arguments to this, but I'll just lay it out for you it, it, that uh, part of the, the advantage of working for AEW is the schedule. You know, you have to wrestle one time a week, really. Um, maybe, maybe more uh, occasionally if there's a unless you work indies. Exactly, but that that's like if you want to sort of thing, right? Like that's yeah. if you're John Moxley and you just can't stop wrestling. Um, well, 
I said that used to be John Moxley, Miss Moxley, no more. But but you get the idea. Um, but that con will pay you the same money to work a lighter schedule. Now, if there is a house show circuit and if it balloons and, and if he's asking a lot of top stars to work those dates, you know, do, will they lose some kind of competitive edge? Now, I guess what they could do is make Dark a traveling show, but they've bought uh, the studio uh, time to to do Dark Elevation. So I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you what do you think about all this? I think it's a little too early to tell, uh, but I think that Jeff Jarrett's brain for pro wrestling is as good as you can hope for. He he mm. he has a brain for pro wrestling, and to have someone like that around is almost never a detriment, especially at this point in Jarrett's career. He's not going to be trying to win the world title from anybody. He he really isn't. He couldn't. It would it wouldn't add up. But. I think that the fears are a little bit unfounded in the year 2022. I think that maybe the point about house shows might be something, but I do think that this may be more, more about the wrestling promotion itself. Mm. Like the, the promotion as far as merchandise and outreach and, and community stuff and charity mm-hmm. stuff, because Jarrett's always done that stuff. TNA always did that kind of stuff. Mm. These are things that Jeff Jarrett knows about. He knows how to be a wrestling promoter. At the end of the day, Tony Khan is the president of AEW, but it's good to have wrestling people around him that can at least give him ideas to work with and having someone with Jeff Jarrett's experience. I see it as only being a good thing. I mean, the company needs more adults, more structure. So from, from that side of things, I think this is could potentially be a very good thing. Um, All right, let's keep it moving. Yeah. So more AEW stuff. Um, I mentioned at the very top of the show, this match between, Sammy Guevara and Brian Danielson. And um, I know uh, certain kind of corners of the wrestling world were uh, up in arms about a particular spot in this match. Mike Johnson uh, from Pro Wrestling Insider in particular was pretty incensed that Guevara would kind of whip a chair really quickly at Danielson's head slash face. There's a, a point pretty early in the match on the outside of the ring where that happens. Um, what did you think of this? It was, did this alarm you? Did this worry you, were you when you were watching it live? Did you think about his concussion history? Do you think this should have been allowed? I mean, what is your, what is your take on all this? Because I think the safety nerds um, were, were pretty upset. I think the safety nerds got worked <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. Tell me why. I've said for the better part of 15 years that Brian Danielson is the best professional wrestler in the world. That also means he's the smartest professional wrestler in the world. And I think that Brian knows exactly what people think when he takes any kind of shot to the head. People freak out about it. Yes. People freak out about it. 
And Brian, being a pro wrestler, is going to use that to emotionally manipulate people to get sympathy because it's pro wrestling and that's what you do. So I believe, especially since Bryce Rebsberg immediately disqualified Sammy Guevara after that, I think that Brian was able to protect himself from that chair throw. Bryce immediately disqualified Sammy. And Doc, I believe that whole sequence was 100% contrived and Brian protecting himself because he knew the chair throw was coming. I think so, too. I think to be fair to the other side of the argument, I think they also think that the the spot was not that it was sort of impromptu, right? That uh, that Brian wanted it to happen um, for the story of the match, you know, because that's the only way Sammy can hang with Danielson in a two out of three falls is if he injures him Um, and that all parties kind of agreed. But where they just think. I think to put words in their mouth here, I'm going to try to not straw man them that even if everyone agreed that it was a stupid decision and that Brian Danielson should not be taking these chances with his career. I'll tell you where I stand on this is um, Brian Danielson is a grown ass man. And I know that it is the job of Tony Khan in, in a sense to keep everyone healthy and, and generally in a very sort of conceptual sense, make sure everyone's safe. But is pro wrestling, you know, as Jim Ross likes to say, it ain't ballet. And, you know, Sammy was clearly fine with it. Brian would have had to propose it, I believe. I don't think Sammy's bringing this up. I think Brian is the one bringing this to the table. Tony's on board. The ref's on board. If everyone's okay with it, I think they're big boys and and they do it. And to me, like it really did look like he was able to protect himself regardless of how fast Sammy threw the chair. And I don't think, I think the blood was, uh, I think the blood was blade. Like I think after, you know, when he rolled under the table and they kind of kept the camera off Brian for a while, I, I don't think necessarily the blood was hard way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to look like an idiot here and uh, be, be proven wrong about that. I haven't seen uh, any pictures or whatever, but even those can be, can be a work. Um, but it's but look, the magic I mean, of pro wrestling. It's the magic for us. People like to think that they have pro wrestling 100% figured out. And the reality is we don't. And sometimes we just have to accept that we got work at the end of the day. We do. We do. And I, I went through, I, I thought a lot about this back in 2019 DJM when Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi were feuding. And they wrestled three or four times, as is the pattern in New Japan. And every time, they almost killed each other with head drops. And there were these conversations all the time about being safe and what the promotion should allow and what these guys should do to take care of themselves and everything. And, I mean, where I landed at the end of the day is like, you know, if everybody's educated and everybody's on board with spots, I I, I don't know, I wouldn't want my employer telling me what to do in terms of that making my art and doing my thing. And Brian is a veteran in the business. Um, and I think, you know, I think he's, he's good with it. And like you said, he's very smart and understands how to create a spot that looks really, really bad, but is actually probably fine. So yeah, I, I think, I think it's fine. 
I think it's a storm in a teacup. It's much ado about nothing. Do you want to talk about AAA for a minute? Because Triple Mania happened. Let's keep it timely. Let's let's make this quick. Uh, Al, <laughs> I know you you had something you wanted to say. You can keep it quick. I have something I want to say, and then we'll take it home. Okay. Well, I watched this Triple Mania last month. Um, the third Triple Mania of the year. I thought it was mostly terrible. Quite honestly, um, Ty Valkyrie used to be good. I don't know if she's good anymore. Matchy out she got some, no good. She, she got what she could out of Camille. Because I don't think Camille's very good. I, I won't argue too hard on that one. Um uh this the 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 the, the, the hair versus hair, the Pagano <laughs> yeah. Cybernetico was uh yeah. a, a nightmare. Dave Dave yeah. gave it one star. I couldn't tell I who won because they fell in a hole. <laughs> They fell. I got Pagano. Head. That that was not his best night. <laughs> oh man! Um, even by AAA standards, I was just like woof. Um, and I mean, there were like people missing spots all throughout the night, and the production is shitty, and the ring looks like extra padded or not tight enough. It's all weird. But like, um, so my my hottest take from this is like D- Dave has a five star match on this show, and that's uh. El Hijo de, Del Vikingo uh, and Ray Phoenix. And I'm just going to tell you that this match was a huge disappointment to me. This match, mm. I was I went in expecting to love it. I went in wanting to love it. I love both of these guys, but something about this match felt empty to me. Um, something really? About yeah, like there, there was... It, and it wasn't clean. Like I expect both of these guys to just be so clean and on point. And, and there, there was stuff that looked sloppy to me. Like they didn't, you know, land everything and, and jump in these precise ways. And, and there are times that that can make a match good, but like it, it took me out of it here. And I don't know um, if it is um, a lack of investment in the promotion or whatever, but, but you know me, I mean, I'm, I'm good with just, a moves match. I don't mind that, but, but yeah, I really feel, I mean, I'm not saying the match was bad. I'm not going to tell you it's some two star special or whatever. Um, I mean, I'd probably give it like four, uh, maybe, maybe a little sub four, but like, uh, I was like going in thinking like surefire match of the year ballot, going to see some shit I've never seen before. This is going to be amazing. And I mean, to be fair, the crowd loved it. But yeah, there's there's just something and that I did missed for me. I think Meltzer puts a lot of puts a lot of credence into crowd reactions because the crowd was losing it for this match at points. So I think that's probably what bumped it up for him. I like the main event better. I, I, I was, agree. I like the the Pentagon unmasked Viano. That was a really cool moment, and I liked that. I mean, you know, Pentagon couldn't be Pentagon, but you know, he's working with a, an older guy, but they still made it work. Um, but yeah, that, that match, I was surprised at, at how much I didn't respond to it. Uh, what did you think of the show? I will say that the one thing I like that AAA does that I wish other promotions would do is that AAA books Phoenix and Penta as main eventers and championship contenders. Yeah. And yeah. I wish 
other promotions would do that because those guys are both awesome. Uh, Penta having the big time superstar main event entrance, uh, as well as Phoenix, and then both of them being in the main event and semi main event. Like to me, that's exactly where they belong. Um, number three, I'm so happy El Hijo de Vikingo got his work visa because man, American wrestling fans have missed out on him. I, yeah. I can't stress it enough. Um, uh, again, I'm willing to give Taya a pass because she was wrestling Camille and that's Camille. <laughs> but everything else on the show, I'm pretty much in line with you on. There I probably kind of- I probably liked Vikingo and Phoenix more than you, but I understand where you're coming from. I like seeing Willie Mack on the show. I thought that match he was, yeah. he was pretty great. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah. That was a spot fest I liked. So I don't mind the spot fest, but yeah, no. Just triple A, you know. I mean it is it is what it is. You're gonna you're gonna get um some one or two really cool high spot matches and you're gonna get a nasty ass brawls and you know Everything You'll get a clunker here and there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um hopefully this podcast hasn't been a clunker. Hope you've enjoyed it, everybody out there. Um listen if you can. Subscribe if we let you, and we do let you. So subscribe and then unsubscribe and then resubscribe a couple times for us. Um DJM, if folks want to uh contact you um on uh, a failing app. Uh, on a, on a website that is burning down faster than any wrestling promotion ever could. Uh, how could they hope? Uh, how how could they do that? They can do that at Call Me DJM on the Burn app, it, and it won't even cost you eight dollars to do it. Just follow me at Call Me DJM. Hey, there you go. I t- I talk about Star Trek, which I do another podcast for. I talk about sports. I even talk about those cartoons from japan from now from time to time wow yeah that sounds exciting it sounds like you're a really good follow well that that's debatable i'm less of a good follow if you're still on twitter uh, i'm at the subtle doctor and i don't know i mean i tweet links to the podcast that i'm involved in like this one and an anime podcast um and i retweet a lot of art I don't know if I say very much on there. I'm on Discord a lot, but please follow me and hey, engage with me, because if you talk to me, I will respond and I will talk back with you. I'm always happy to talk pro wrestling. Tell me how I'm wrong. Tell me uh, how how Brian Danielson is, in fact, uh, someone who is taking his life in his hands and shouldn't have, uh, you know, risk a concussion against Sammy. Tell me about how pro wrestling know is great and you love Kaz Fujita. Um Tell me about don't how new tell me sucks. that. Don't don't <laughs> tell me that you love Kaz Fujita. Don't do that. <laughs> don't tell DJ on that. But you can tell me that, and we can have a we can have a conversation uh, about that. But uh, yeah, this has been the Open Door Wrestling Podcast, ladies, gentlemen, and Indies. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed. Until next time, good night and good grabs. 